0: Welcome to a new episode. Today's guest is Brenda Marie Davies. I think I've known her for five or six years. She was friends with a mutual friend of mine, a great painter, and that's how I met her. She arrived on my porch and uh, she was as cool as it gets. I wanted to interview her because I've noticed that her social has all been about this new thing called God is Gray, which is exploring a modernist approach to Christianity. And she's kind of going through all of her life story and unpacking, you know, how she was taught and raised with religion. And it sounds like she had a very strong, influential father that was very religious. But it's interesting to hear her journey about how she unpacks these strict rules, which I grew up with also. I grew up in the whole... Catholic system and Catholicism, my parents would go back and forth from Christian to born-again Christian to speaking in tongues to just simply tiding and giving some money to the church. I had an interesting conversation with her. I hope you enjoy it. And let's explore a very sensitive subject for some people. I think she's getting a lot of resistance and pushback as well as getting a true following and a bunch of people that are really interested in hearing what she has to say. The interview was pretty phenomenal. It was very fast and it was exciting to talk to her. So after a little bit of music, we're going to start our interview with Brenda Marie Davies. Where did we meet? Where did we meet? Do you remember?
1: Did we meet through Paul? Which Paul? Allison.
0: Maybe, yes. Uh-oh. That's right. Didn't Paul, he came over with you one time.
1: Yeah, but is that, was that really the first when we time? met?
0: I don't know if that's for sure or not. I feel like not. I've
1: seen you around forever and we've been introduced like 20 times. But yeah. then maybe that was the first time we were like...
0: Spend a minute. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Where'd you grow up? Jersey. Really? hmm Which part?
1: Uh, South Jersey by Philly. It's a little tiny town called Cinnamon Sun.
0: Did you sneak to the city a bunch or no?
1: I wasn't cool. So there was no sneaking anywhere. Really? I would go to the city sometimes. (laughs) What do you mean you weren't
0: cool? You were like a, were you a school kid or a street kid?
1: No, I was a school kid. I was a nerd, theater nerd, first kiss, 18 years old.
0: Wow. Yeah. Were you conservative family or no? What was family like? That wasn't
1: even me being conservative. That was me being a dork. You know, like those middle school parties where you pair off. I'd be like the lone man out.
0: <laughs> Why, you were scared?
1: No, they always left me with like the boy that was like weird. Like none of the cute boys ever liked me. Ah. I, I think always... that changed. <sighs> well, they're all married now, so mm. they took themselves out of the running. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, did you spend good time in New York or not really outside of Jersey or were you
1: I've done little like bits of moments in New York, I guess. Uh-huh. But Are you, you, you recording a- right now, by the way?
0: Yeah, we're already almost done.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Good, because I I'm have to leave in 10 through. minutes.
0: <laughs> I'm flying too.
1: No, I went in and out of New York. I don't know. I don't want to offend anyone, but I feel like New York's dead.
0: Is it? I'm, no, I'm Everyone's with you. Everyone's
1: going to be mad I said that.
0: No, I'm with you. It's different. I don't know about dead, but it's not uh, the lawless fun I used to have. I felt like... It started changing with uh, Giuliani um, and it got real strict and real police driven, which Mm. L.A. was. So I used to go there for the excitement of that. And then it felt like L.A. went to New York and the New York lacks came to L.A., especially around 9-11. I think everything shifted and it was less about getting arrested in L.A. for jaywalking. You know, (laughs) they used to be crazy here. I think they didn't have the time.
1: yeah. I just remember nights in New York where you're like, I was doing my friend's fashion show and we all had to wake up really early the next day. So she was like, everybody like be chill. We're just going to go out for sushi and then we're going to come right back to the hotel room and get a nice night's sleep. Like cut to like 6 a.m. in a limousine. But yeah. But then I don't know if maybe New York isn't wild or I'm not wild anymore one of us changed or both of us changed. You don't
0: think you're wild anymore?
1: I'm cool in different ways.
0: <laughs> what, what did you do then? Like when you're a kid, what kind of work did you do when you started joining society?
1: What did I do? I used to do everything in the world. Like when you moved to LA and they have like a promotional modeling for $10 an hour and you're like handing out, I don't know, like Starburst to people walking by <laughs> or something. You did that? Yeah, yeah. I did anything that gave me a couple bucks anything, like I promised myself I wouldn't be a server. No offense to any servers in the world. Because right. obviously it's like a perfect job for freedom and money. But I was like, oh, if I get trapped there, I might get stuck there forever. So like I was always I trying to be a little innovative with where my money was coming from.
0: Throw me some innovative ones.
1: <laughs> well, that's Starburst one. is pretty strong. Oh, my gosh. I, f- I remember one time, they were all like, quote, promotional modeling jobs you're in all these ridiculous situations like you're in a hockey game promoting something supposedly like car shows like embarrassing stuff
0: hey you had to (laughs) survive did you ever have a real job job or no?
1: I personal assisted a couple people don't anyone hire me as personal assistant I'm really horrible at it I dropped so many balls it's insane (laughs) but then I started modeling yeah and that's been a Lifesaver. Yeah. Yeah. Do you
0: still do stuff?
1: Yeah. I can't yeah. believe how long I've stretched this out.
0: That's cool. <laughs> yeah. What kind of stuff have you been doing?
1: Well, now I do fit modeling. Do you know what that is? Yeah. Not everybody knows what it is. I People do. are like, foot modeling? Cool. Like no.
0: <laughs> yeah. I have a friend that does a lot of it for a wedding dress designer. Yeah. And she said she calls it uh Going to get acupuncture because the girls stick her a thousand (laughs) times a day.
1: Yeah, that's exactly what I say. I say, like, call them my porcupine friends. This one girl is, like, really intricate with the needles and it gets me all the time. I look like a cutter.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's a good gig.
1: It's a great
0: game. Yeah, so yeah. you're like a size zero or a one or what is it that they love? No,
1: you get to be like a kind of normal bod.
0: Really? Yeah. Oh, I thought it was like just because you have a you're in shape. So I thought it was just those who are in shape get to fit.
1: Yeah. Well that's the other thing. It's not fit. You're not like a fit person. It's just like whatever measurements they want. Got it. You know? Yeah.
2: Ooh, I may not always love you, but long as there are stars above you. You never need to doubt it I'll make you so sure about it God only knows what I'd be without you If you should ever leave me Life would to go on, believe me The world could show nothing to me should ever leave me The life would still go
0: So tell me about religion. Were you always a religious person, or I'm trying to get into God <laughs> is gray?
1: I always tell people I was a very spiritual little girl. Like I remember hearing about Jesus, and it resonated really hard. Mm-hmm. And I used to pray at my bedside for, like, wars to end and stuff. And my dad was really my teacher in it. Mm -hmm. He's Catholic, but we were very casual Roman Catholics. We'd go, like, on Sundays, maybe, I don't know, once every few months, and then for holidays. But I was always really curious about it. I'd go into my dad's room to ask him about the Bible. I was, like, a little crazy kid, really into it from a young age. And then it wasn't until I was 12 years old that I went to this born-again evangelical Christian church. Mm-hmm. And that's when things, I say, got a little effed up. <laughs> what happened? <laughs> that's when they start teaching you about sex in correlation to church and their teachings and God. And how, like, I was developing very normally, sexually, mm-hmm. normal, whatever that means. Right. But, you know, as a straight girl, I was just like, You know, digging boys, imagining kissing them, imagining, you know, just normal things. And then when I went to church, I was 12. So it's like, that's when you're starting to have this growth sexually for the very first time. Right. And they really like, just like nipped that in the bud before it went anywhere. They were just like, God cries when you masturbate. You have to save yourself from marriage. And I was so... I always explain it like I was so passionate about God that when these like adults that I really admired that I found inspirational were telling me, oh, that thing you have a very pure love for cries when you masturbate. It was just kind of like, oh, oh my gosh. Okay, I'm, I'm so sorry. I didn't know. And then you're trying to like, work all of these new restrictions into your life and your sexuality that's, that's just heavy. starting to bloom. Yeah. yeah. I was in
0: Catholic school, uh, but I, I don't remember why, but I got removed from it and then put in public.
1: <laughs> I wish you remembered why. <laughs> what my were you parents, doing? <laughs> well, my
0: my parents would be, one day they'd be Catholics and very subtle, and we'd go to Sunday church. The next... Time a month later, we'd have the evangelical or whatever. They'd speak oh. in tongues and they'd be born again Christians, and yeah. then in like six months they would, you know, go back to just Catholic. It what? was so many phases. Yeah, they would get really in and really out. I remember the scariest was they would. Uh, When they got into born-again Christian and speaking in tongues and then, like, throwing spirits around the house, they started taking in alcoholics that were in the mix. So, it just got really weird and, like, traumatic at the house, you know? Got weird. Yeah, but then they just got back to old school. We're just Catholic, and we tied. We give twenty percent to the church, and okay. and I would always be like, "Why? I need that for stuff, you know? Like I want a better, <laughs> I want a better bicycle. Why are we doing this tied thing? You're not living. We're lower middle class, so it was like we're not large enough for you to tied. I need a red line, not a mongoose bicycle. <laughs> <laughs> that's how I saw it, just as a selfish.
1: I mean, that's fair, yeah.
0: Yeah. I noticed like in your audience, it's not all Christians. You got a big mix. So tell me about that.
1: I mean, that's what I love. One of, I mean, I have so many trolls. It's insane. But one of my favorite things that people say is they bring up the diversity of my audience. And I think the majority of comments are from people that are like, oh my God, I'm atheist and I don't know why I love you. Like, or you're drawing me in even though I'm agnostic and I don't. I'm not sure what I believe. And then witches are like, thank you for representing us. And, you know, like all this stuff. And it's really, yeah, it's nice because I feel what I'm doing is leading a conversation. And I've created a safe space for people to just tell the truth. Mm -hmm. Because I want to be committed to telling the truth as well. So it's like, if my truth is I'm having premarital sex when it feels right and I'm okay with that, then like maybe you'll be more free to be like, I cheated on my husband or, you know, like, I feel like the more you expose yourself, the more people return it to you and that's what's maybe making them feel comfortable in that space. And also just, I, I don't believe being LGBTQ is a sin and I I use the Bible to back up my belief and moral intuition, etc. So they feel comfortable, but then so people are like, "Oh, Christians don't even like this girl. She's not a Christian is what my like accuser troll people say. But my Gmail box pops off with Christians. Just people telling me their deepest, darkest secrets. and like it's been really, really beautiful
0: and the and god is gray i'm assuming is it's a gray area it's not black and white is that what your the yeah. concept is
1: and people yeah always get mad they're like god isn't gray he is omnipotent and da, da, da. i'm just like i know
0: yeah which is it's fine it's too minimalizing for some right yeah
1: i backed myself into a corner but i really felt led to, I will say, in the Christian uh, world to use that name. It just like came to me and I was like, yeah, that's right. That's what it'll be called. And because I talk about the gray area. Right. like God is black and white. There is an absolute truth, but this stuff is complicated.
0: I've always experimented with gray. I have something called the Gray Organization that I bid off some old artist friends of mine. Really? Uh-huh. I always analyzed the yin and the yang. Mm-hmm. And then I thought the center was gray. It's not white. It's not black. And how do I live being balanced and I always thought the gray you know so gray gray this gray that yeah yeah.
1: I think it's it's a beautiful place to be and whatever name you subscribe quote God you know with Mm -hmm. I think that's where God resides the most because those are the areas where you're really seeking like if it's black or white you're like great I'm not buying that house or I am marrying that person or whatever. Like if you know, you know. But gray is when you have to like dive into your spirituality or your intellect to really figure out what's going on. And I feel like that's the most present state of mind.
0: When did you come up with this whole new... Because you've been, what, doing this for over, what, a year or so? Or, yeah, it's that been I, a year on
1: Valentine's Day. Yeah,
0: I noticed it. But what? how did it just come about? You were doing a lot of different things, and all of a sudden you're, you're doing one thing well and you're staying on it.
1: Yeah. It's funny because I moved to L.A. to be a movie star, mm-hmm. which totally worked That's out. That's so rare. <laughs>
0: That's so rare.
1: I know. I was, I was going to be the only one here doing it. Which is funny too, because in evangelical church, I don't know if you know, if you've experienced this, but people will be like, um, there's this verse in Jeremiah that's like, I have a plan for you from God, like a plan, or there's another one in Isaiah that talks about like being a prophet to the nations. And in evangelical church, for some reason, they really harped on these two messages or verses. And they were like, you're supposed to do huge things. You're gonna go out into the world and speak to the nations. So I was like, you know, a mediocre actress who's like the lead in all the school plays. And I was like, well, then I have to be a movie star to tell everyone about Jesus and Hollywood. So it wasn't
0: intention early on. It's not like you're just now into religion.
1: Yeah, that's why I think it's so funny and ironic because that was the original plan. And then in a weird way, I feel like I'm back to the original plan. (laughs) But it just like looks completely different than I thought it was going to look.
0: I like watching it and it seems to be really fitting for you.
1: And, you know, yeah, yeah, I was going to ask you how, you how you noticed. I noticed how right away
0: because I, I, you know, even though I'm older, like I've been on this whole internet thing out of curiosity since like Friendster. And I yeah. always, you know, I was like early up to sign up for a Twitter not knowing even what it did because it's just interesting to me. You know, mm. the online world's interesting and it's many things, you know. It's um, weird
1: worlds. It is. It's really That's what weird. I was going to ask
0: you too, is like, how much pushback do you get? Because you're <sighs> talking about a theme that's bigger than anything else. Religion and politics are supposed to not be discussed in a sense, right? That's yeah. one of the old table manners my parents said. You don't discuss politics or religion.
1: Yeah. And I
0: was like, okay, you know. But
1: yeah.
0: What's it like to be speaking in a modernist... I guess you're more modernist.
1: Yeah, I mean... It's really difficult. For one, I have to give props to my sister because I grew up in this Roman Catholic household and we had the same thing where you're like, you don't discuss. Like we had all these family secrets come out later. And it was just like, why didn't you just tell us that? It's not even a big deal. Like who got divorced, whatever. And my sister was always the one at the dinner table pushing those boundaries. And she would just say something crazy like, I gave someone a blowjob last night and like, wow. and her thing was always to like poke and prod and be like, I'm talking, somebody else talk. Like I'm going to tell my truth. Someone else tell your truth. And I was horrified every time she did it. I would like crawl under the table and wish I was dead. But <laughs> now I realized she totally inspired me for the way I live my life. Cause like when I see the ignorance and genuine harm that, Christians especially are doing in our society, driving LGBTQ kids to suicide, no joke, you know, like having all these secret sexual experiences in the dark, like probably getting me to left and right and not even like addressing it because all sex is bad. And like, it's so convoluted in that space. And I just wanted to be the one at the dinner table, like, yo, (laughs) Because I was working through this stuff on my own for like 16 years. I saved myself from marriage. I thought I was going to live happily ever after. And he cheated on me, which I'm so happy about. I'm thankful he did it because it really rocked my world. I was like, oh, you don't get to just be a good girl and then your life turns out good, you know? So then I started dismantling all these weird things that I was taught. And I did it by myself quietly with my friends. And that was really hard because you are scared you're going to go to hell. You hear voices that are like reminding you like what a bad person you are. You know, that like antagonist we all have in our You head. are like heavily yeah.
0: conditioned in a sense that oh, you yeah. had to undo all your beliefs and find out what they are.
1: Mm-hmm, yeah. Exactly. So I really came to a place of peace, like a real peace with all of it. And then... um it's so trippy. I was just telling a friend last night, having trolls, and I mean thousands of trolls. There's this one video I put up where I'm defending like LGBTQ community. So I have... 20,000 people every two days watching that video and the majority of them hate me and say horrible things. Mm -hmm. And I leave all those comments up because I'm like, cool, you guys should look at yourselves and see how gross you look. Like this is disgusting. This comment section is disgusting. And that's, if that's what you think Jesus looks like, like go look at yourselves and be Mm -hmm. pleased. But it, it feels like the antagonist voice in my head is actually in the world coming at me from my computer screen. And it feels weird because they are tapping into some of the insecurities you get in church. Like you're going to go to hell. You're leading people astray. You're a whore. You're in just like... It's (gasps) like
0: a shaming God. Yeah. Even outside of religion, we're in this new phase of social media shaming and Mm -hmm. just anger and rage and Mm -hmm. trollism how do you deal with it you just leave them up and you know you just keep doing your your you and you just does it ever freak you out or do people ever scare you or is it just like this is par for the course I know it's coming
1: yeah I always knew this was going to happen so I was kind of like armored up for it and I have Mm -hmm. amazing people in my life it's like in that world I'm kind of terrified because there's so much hatred towards me and you know, it's crazy. But then I come into your house and I have to remind myself. It's like, okay, now I'm safe and I'm <laughs> around people. You know, I'm just like, I'm safe right now. And that is the real world. That's what matters. So I'm not going to be scared unless something really scary happens or seems to Have like you it's had any happen. weird occurrences
0: or any psychos trying to find you and all that?
1: Yeah. 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 There's a couple of pretty intense ones. But I'm just putting that out of my head like... If it's not tangible and it's on the internet, I'm just like, I'm not going to give any energy to that. But also I've realized trolls are on the precipice of change. It's like all you have to do is like flick them and they can fall over the cliff and totally come on your side. Because if you're screaming at the top of your lungs about something, it's because you're not sure of how you feel about it. You're insecure in what you're thinking.
0: So you're trying to get an immediate reaction or you're trying to get just somebody to talk to you. Or reach out.
1: Yeah, and I just give love back to them. I'm like, I'm sorry you feel that way. This is like a loving space. If you'd like to engage in a more loving way, you're welcome into this God is great conversation community. If you want to keep talking like that, fine. Live your life. I'll collect the 0.4 cents that YouTube is going to give me for your view and have a nice day.
0: <laughs> how do you do, How do you roll it out? Do you do something weekly or how yeah. does it work?
1: Every Monday at 9 you I do put out a video. A
0: video. Mm-hmm. And how long do you work on the piece you're going to give on Monday?
1: <laughs> it depends on the <laughs> subjects. Some of them I call like thesis pieces and I go in deeper and try to do a lot of research. I mean, they take like the whole week. I like chew on them all week and then film them on like a Friday and then have them edited by Sunday.
0: Do you do everything yourself?
1: <laughs> yeah. Wow. I'm tired.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you don't have anyone helping. No. How'd you figure it out? You just went online and were like, I need to get this, 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 and do this.
1: Well, that's the great thing about YouTube. You're like, how to do anything? I and it's know. like there's a video for you. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> when you said Jesus is a feminist, what tell me what you mean by that?
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, now you're touching on more controversy. Am I? It's just crazy that's controversial because Yeah, there's so many uh, trigger words that the Christian community has that I really try to steer clear of. And that's something that I get so excited about doing this because I feel like I'm playing a sport and I know the other team's complete playbook. Like... I don't think there's any insult or Bible verse a Christian could throw at me that I wouldn't have already anticipated because they have a script of like five insults and five Bible verses and five like shitty things they can say to you. That's amazing. So I'm like, okay, I know there's 15 things you guys have in your arsenal. What I have in my arsenal is, you know... Intellect, grace, love, kindness, research, the Bible. Like, can you come at me with something more, please? Because you're like failing at this, you know? And then when they do come out with something legit and have a real conversation with me, that's when I'm like, cool, come on into the conversation. That's awesome. I'm not going to be right all the time, you know? But with the Jesus feminism thing, there's one verse in um, 1 Timothy and it's about women being silent at church and not being permitted to speak or to teach. And there are definitely Bible verses that imply the submission of women. But when Jesus came onto the landscape, he did so many countercultural things that are completely feminist. Like there's one story that was always presented to me. Jesus goes into a house and there's these two women named Mary and Martha and Martha is scurrying around in the kitchen, getting everything ready. Like all the men are in the room, like ready to get Jesus's teaching. And then Mary is sitting there, ready to get the teaching too. That alone shows you what a feminist Jesus was. Like women weren't allowed to just sit down and learn something. They weren't invited into that space. So even the fact she felt comfortable enough to do that kind of blows my mind. And then this woman scurrying around in the kitchen. And the crazy thing is, I've always been taught that verse or that story as more shame on women. Like it would be like, Martha was scurrying around in the kitchen and she totally overlooked the fact that Jesus was in her living room and she could have been getting that teaching. Because Jesus, not chastised, but he said to her, like, you don't have to be doing that. Come sit, learn at my feet. Don't do all of that. The truth is there's no other time in history before that, that a woman was allowed to do that. Like she wasn't scurrying around because she was quote missing an opportunity or not seeing things right. She was doing her womanly duty. And Jesus was the one that was like, yo, I'm a feminist. Don't be scurrying around the kitchen, come and learn. And he was surrounded by women that were like badasses. And I was taught my entire life that Mary Magdalene was a prostitute. Did you Mm -hmm. think that?
0: I didn't. I didn't okay. know. I'm not. I'm not well versed. I was a dysfunctional Catholic kid, you know. I didn't, <laughs> well, that's I, what I love I about like, you. It was like just a, a mess.
1: That's amazing. And
0: I only went to the church the most because my mother's mother would give me like a twenty dollar bill back then, which was like a <laughs> thousand.
3: <Yeah>. You know. <laughs> exactly. She would
0: sneak it off, and I would be there very attentive. <laughs> and very. But not listening to anything, just thinking about a bike to steal, a girl to kiss, you know, like that yeah. was a mess.
1: Well, that's what everyone is thinking about in church usually, I think. Just, just <laughs> analyzing
0: who had the hot daughter and like who was doing what. You know? I used
1: to stare at the back of girls' heads and be like, I like her hair. I like her hair. Yeah.
0: It's just funny. Like nothing's coming in. It's just like, no. burp, burp, burp. my brain's just like a little monkey, you know?
1: Yeah. I think most of ours are. Yeah. 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 But we were taught a lot in Catholic Church that Mary Magdalene was a prostitute. So I thought that implied, oh, my God, like, Jesus was allowing even a prostitute into his world to, like, you know, be with his boys. It wasn't just the 12 men. There were women in that crew that rolled with them all. And that is countercultural as well. Like, he loves women. And Mary Magdalene wasn't a prostitute. She was, like, this badass woman that, like— you know, was on this journey with him. The last person there when he died on the cross, first person when he like rose from the dead. Like there's you, a lot of beauty about women in the Bible.
0: How do you go between, how many testaments are there? Old and new. Yeah. Do and you, the old
1: is like the Torah.
0: Do you, is it? Yeah. Do you riff between them? Do you, go, <laughs> do you look at all the data and like see the transition? I don't even—I've never read the Bible. I have a few friends that have.
1: You should maybe dive in a little bit. I think There's I, a I lot should. of really beautiful poetry in mm-hmm. there. Like do I've you read know?
0: verses and pieces that were applicable at a certain time. I've yeah. never sat down page one, and done it like I would an Anne Rand book or something. You <laughs> I know? would not. Yeah,
1: you're gonna feel like you're reading an Anne Rand book if you do that. <laughs> no, I would. I would do it the same way, old school. Then just like pick it up and open and see, like. Song of Songs is like Solomon writing an erotic poem to this woman. Wow. Like there's a lot of really beautiful stuff in there. I'm and sure it's
0: like the archetypes of all mythology, all story, right? Yeah. It's everything. It's like. Uh, it is everything. Remember Joseph Campbell, the power of myth and all that? Yeah. I wonder if it's got crossover, you know? Because oh. it seems like the same story and the same story.
1: I know they say that narrative is repeated again and again. Which I have to humbly accept as the truth too. Like I think a lot of Christians will hear new information. Like I think that's why a lot of them are scared of intellect or science. I don't want to say a lot of. I, my audience is beautiful and very curious and there's a lot of amazing Christian people that are genuinely seeking knowledge in the world. But I think a fact like that scares people because it's like, oh no, if there's similar narratives that have happened throughout history, does that diminish my faith? And it's like, no, that just makes me even more curious. It's like, wait, did Jesus manifest more than once in different parts of the world? Is that, like, you know, I don't know. It should make you be full of wonder, not feel scared because it challenges what you thought, you know? Mm -hmm.
0: Do you believe in reincarnation or do you, what's your thoughts?
1: I mean, my dad has always taught me very like strict things I was like allowed to believe and not believe and that is on his no list
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love this so I
1: was like scared to even consider that but again I, I'm i all about wonder like don't know things just like wonder about things like it's so arrogant to be like oh I know that I only live once and I only die well, once well you shut like, down
0: the second you know something you shut down to opportunities and, yeah. and uh, theories and it just you close the book
1: yeah and then when I've heard about reincarnation and kind of like souls traveling in packs, like so much of that makes sense to me too. Because I'm like, it's just so trippy that you can walk into a room and meet someone and be like, oh my God, I've known you my whole life. It's like, what is, what is that feeling? Why do that you think you know that?
0: That deja or something. Yeah. Oh. yeah. I've gotten it a lot. The older I get, the more I see it. In like, Even my friends that are female singers, I saw one that had a certain audience. And then I met another one that had the same audience 8 to 10 years later. And then I met another one that had the <laughs> same audience 10 years after that. So I feel like it's a sense Groundhog Day,
1: Yeah. you know? Yeah.
0: It's interesting. It's and they've trippy. all been at this pinnacle where like, they couldn't have been bigger and had more attention. And then it's literally gone it's fascinating to watch or you know I'll see a boy that has the same mechanisms as a guy I once knew and mm. it's just that's pretty gnarly and it's very accurate
1: it's true
4: God is a concept by which we measure our pain I'll say it again concept by which we measure our pain yes we do I don't believe I say the dream is over yesterday. I was the dream weaver, but now I'm reborn. I was. So, dear friends, you just have to
0: carry on.
1: The dream is over.
0: Tell me about your book.
1: Ooh. It's called On Her Knees. Double entendre for you. That's, uh, not, on,
0: that's not on your dad's no list.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, basically, On Her Knees is a combination I was going to do it fiction, but at the end of the day, it's actually memoir. And I realized recently the reason I wrote it fiction is because I was afraid my dad would like not disown me, but that he would be like horrified by it because it's full. It's like sex, drugs, rock and roll and trying to be Christian at the same time, which is basically what my journey has been. And so I actually wrote this like, Quote, fictional novel. It's like very thinly veiled fiction, change names, situations. But the story is all mine. And I sent it out to a couple agents and they were like, We love this writing, but we just don't think there's an audience for it. And this was like two years ago now or whatever. I
0: remember we talked once about a book you were putting together.
1: Yeah. So Mm -hmm. it's kind of crazy because I've realized now that I'm editing it again. The Me Too movement hadn't happened. Like Trump wasn't in office. It was like a totally different moment in time. And I can understand why they thought there was no audience. Because it's like, who are you talking to? Like sexual Christians, who cares? Um, (laughs) But then when all of this like started happening and everything, I feel like it might be more the ripe time for that kind of story. So I went on... YouTube because these people were like, there's no audience for this. And I was like, yes, there is. And I was going to write back agents and be like, here's a sex positive Christian community. And here's an LGBTQ affirming community. And they each have 50,000 people in them. Instead, I went on YouTube and there was girls that looked just like me in my early twenties, late teens. You need to dress a certain way as to not tempt men. And you need to be pure until you're married and all this stuff. And I was like, Oh my gosh. No one's saying any of this. Like I just thought people may have been saying it. So I actually got so mad that I was like sitting on my couch one day and I was like drinking a glass of wine with a friend of mine and I had one of those stream of consciousness moments that I feel is so divine. It's like when Mary Shelley got Frankenstein or you know whatever your most beautiful moments are. I was like furiously typing and I was so in the zone when I like came out of it. My friend was like, where did you just go? What was that? And I turned it around and I had this like long document and I was like, I think I have an idea. (laughs) And I really believe it was God given. It was just like, I need to start my own YouTube and talk about these things because it looks like no one else is talking about them. So I guess I have to do it. (laughs) And that's how it started. So in end, it healed my relationship with my dad. It drew us closer together. I was really scared he was going to not get it, not accept me, and it had the absolute different effect. So now my book can be like nonfiction. Cause it's like, well, now he already knows what a mess I've been and whatever. That's amazing.
0: <laughs> Where are you at with it? Are you done or are you still writing?
1: It's like it's like the size of the Lord of the Rings trilogy right now. So <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's awesome.
1: I hired an editor and she's helping me make it a book that, you know, is digestible for people.
0: (laughs) How long have you been writing it?
1: Well, I've been writing it for 10 years because it's a... No, maybe 15, because it's a combination of... I used to do blogging on MySpace, which was when I was saving myself from marriage and trying to be this, like, perfect girl. So it starts there, and then it goes into private journal entries where I'm being more honest about what I was actually up to, and, yeah... So it has been like oh, is, 15 years. Is
0: it even in the Bible that you can't uh, wed before marriage and all that? Or is that New Testament? Is that How where does these where do these things come from?
1: Well, I did it I had a video on that cuz I had fun debunking that. Cuz I was like, okay, we keep saying save yourself from marriage, save yourself from marriage. What is marriage in the Bible? Marriage in the Bible is majority poly relationships with and the polyamory only depended on how wealthy the guy was. So it's like, yeah, you could have a monogamous marriage if the dude is poor and he can't afford more wives. Otherwise, all the dudes had, you know, Solomon is one of the great figures in the Bible and he had hundreds of wives, hundreds of concubines. But I think we do need to be very careful with sex and it should be honored and as beautiful as it was meant to be, but the purity thing has you like focused on the wrong thing. It's not about being pure; it's about honoring your body, etc. This
0: this is like huge. You could do so many things. You're gonna <coughs> start a modern
1: church. I don't want to be <laughs> I don't want to be a starter of any church. <laughs> I mean, who knows what'll happen, but. I mean, I'm open. I just keep saying I'm leading a conversation. That's what I feel the most comfortable with now. Yeah.
0: Do you have atheist friends?
1: I don't hang out with any atheists. I think they're terrible
0: people.
1: (laughs) 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 I'm like very judgmental. No, I think that um, God, Holy Spirit, whatever name you want to give to it, approaches people at the right time, you know, for themselves. So for me, Christianity is just about reflecting Jesus, like living that in your own life. I spend time meditating every day. I spend time like being thoughtful about what I want to present to the world and how I want to feel on the inside. And then if people see that and like what they see and want that in their own life, I will tell you what edifies me and what it is for me, which is Jesus, which is this like faith that I'm in. But unless and until someone asked or like was genuinely curious I wouldn't ever push that on anyone cuz I really do trust that God does that in his own time for people
0: Right you're just you're kind of a living example you're
1: Yeah I'm like I'm ready and available if you need a prayer if you have a question about what I believe like I will never deny it but you know Uh, If you're an atheist, I'm not going to, like, take out an apologetics book and try to talk you out of it. I get it. (laughs) I do it
0: with being clean. If I'm sober and I'm living my life and it is a nice full life, people say, you showed me that you can have fun clean.
2: Actually, your sobriety is, yeah.
0: It's a compliment, and and then they'll go further or they won't. You know, but that's it. I don't ever, I always get scared of the people in meetings that were chasing me and saying, you got to do this. You got to do that. Just because a guy told me once, he said, if you put a bunch of wackos in a room, they're going to obviously rewrite the big book and read, you know, which is probably very applicable. They come up with theories, ideas and concepts and constructs and, and, you know.
1: No, it's really uh, funny how apt that comparison is actually. That's exactly what it is. It's like. You live your best life. You know what works for you. You would like for other people, I'm sure, to yeah. like catch on to that because it makes you happy and fulfilled. But if you come at people with it, it's only going to push them away yeah. and make you so unpleasant to hang out with.
0: I just went through a whole cleaning foods and no GMO and gluten and all that, and I didn't really say anything, and now I'm getting hit up for what I did. They're <laughs> like, you look better. It's like external. <laughs> external is like right have. to the, like, you look better. What are you doing? <laughs> you <know?
1: laughs> That's another I'm like, good here's to my link.
0: This is what I did.
1: I do think uh, genuine spirituality does make you more beautiful. That's, like, something that, you know, shines from the inside. What
0: kind of meditation? Are you mantra-based or do you do your own thing or what do you do?
1: I've just gotten into it. And, oh, my gosh, I was so annoyed with everyone that's, like, meditate. I was, like, shut up. Stop. Um, And then I would try it and it just didn't. (laughs) I just couldn't do it. And then finally I committed to it. I was, like, all right, every morning for 10 minutes I'm just going to be still because I, my mind has been really overly anxious, especially with these comments and like trying to figure out where to take this project. So I've been sitting there just giving myself permission to not think. And I couldn't believe how much it actually changed my outlook for the better. And I, all, yeah, I just sit there in silence and just see what comes to me. And I center it around my faith system, you know, like, Pray to Jesus. Ask to be that kind of light in the world and
0: just, yeah. I'm excited to listen to the next episode and the follow-up episode <laughs> about this next journey. I'm glad you're
1: excited because I'm.
0: <laughs> no, I think you I really feel like it's, I, you know, I wanted to talk to you because I feel like you're doing something and it's nice. It's like, I always like when a friend is doing something and you could tell when they're in something comfortably, there's nothing forced. It's just you're being you. Yeah. I and mean, I always admire it in anyone.
1: Thank you. Yeah, that means a lot. I really do just want to be authentic for sure. Yay. I tell all my friends, I'm like, if you see some me like acting weird, please tell me because I really <laughs> want this to stay legit. We're
0: all weird.
1: <laughs> no weird That's in a part bad of your way. Book. You know?
0: A yeah. weird, bad weird.
1: Good weird. Hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Brenda Marie Davis, I hope you enjoyed it. I'm sure there's a lot of comments on this episode because it's such a it's a heavy subject. I was always told you're not allowed to talk about religion and politics at dinner. By the way, Brenda, if you're listening, you need to have a big dinner party or not even big, but something because I need to stop watching Netflix. <laughs>